Well, hey, Chapel family. It's good to be with you guys. It's been several weeks since I've got to be out here with our Norwalk campus, and uh, so I've really been looking forward to this weekend. I've not been looking forward to the message, though. Um, I drew the short straw. This weekend, we continue our series called Growing Deeper, and the topic that that we want to focus on is growing in financial wisdom. So I get to talk about money and possessions. Like, who wants to do that? Like, you don't want to hear it. I don't want to be up here, quite honestly, talking about it. It's, it's such a personal thing, isn't it? Our money, our finances. Um, and bottom line is, there have been a lot of people that have been hurt or damaged by the way that the church as a whole has approached money and finances. In fact, my father-in-law, for several years, walked away from the church because of one comment that a pastor made to him about money and the, the pressure that was being placed upon people. And if that's you, and maybe you've been on the receiving of that in any way, shape, or form, I, I just want to say I'm sorry. <laughs> and I want you to know that the heartbeat of the chapel, since this church began well over 30 years ago, was, was to never let money be a forefront central thing. That we wanted to just love and serve people with everything we are and trust that God will continue to supply. And you know what? He has. He has faithfully supplied all of our needs over all these years. But we want to take some time to talk about uh, a way that we can grow deeper, both as a church and as individuals. And that has to do with our finances. And the thing is, we should not be afraid. I shouldn't be so nervous or uncomfortable talking about it because Jesus actually had a lot to say about finances and possessions. In fact, 11 of his 40 parables that he taught had to do with money and possessions. Money is mentioned over 800 times in the scriptures. And so we should not shy away from it. In fact, I think God has some incredibly rich wisdom that can help us learn how to navigate this important topic. And it affects all of life. Dave Ramsey says that money issues are the second leading cause of divorce in America. I mean, you think about all the pressure and added weight and arguments that sometimes ensue over money or things between married couples and the Man, the, the challenge that that becomes. Not only that, studies, research shows that uh, financial stress, it can lead to anxiety, it can lead to depression, uh, trouble sleeping at night, uh, poor coping mechanisms or habits that sometimes we develop to deal with the stress of finances, Right? And so we shouldn't be afraid to talk about it, and it's part of the reason why the, fourth or the fifth root of our Growing Deeper series has to do with tending and gaining financial wisdom together. So that's what we're here to think about and to talk about this, uh, this morning. Now, in the, uh, in the book of 1 Timothy, the Apostle Paul, he was writing to Timothy, who was a young pastor, kind of a, a protege uh, of the Apostle Paul, and Paul warns Timothy and the church that he was also shepherding about the issue of money. And he has some strong things to say. He says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. 
He says, and some people craving money have wandered away from the truth and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Now, I want to first clarify what the Apostle Paul was not saying. He said that the, 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 the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. He didn't say that money was evil. Money is not evil. Money is not bad. <laughs> in fact, money can be very good. All of us live in a day and age and in a culture where, well, we've got to make money and we've got to spend money to live, right? And, and so he wasn't saying that money is evil in and of itself. In fact, when you look through the pages of Scripture, money is talked about so many times, and oftentimes it's highlighted in the lives of people and their generosity and how God granted wealth and wisdom and, and money is used for the good purposes of God in this world. I think of Lydia in the book of Acts, chapter 16, verse 14. It says, one of them was Lydia from Thyatira, which, by the way, Thyatira was like a booming metropol uh, metropolis area, um, highly wealthy influential in that day Lydia was somebody from that city and it says that she was a merchant of expensive purple cloth now this wasn't like your little Joanne fabrics like she she was like a fashionista of the day and the the, the fabrics that she had were worth much money and as a result because they were highly valued highly sought after Lydia was a wealthy woman as a result of her trade and it says that she was a woman who also worshipped God. In fact, uh, we find out from history that probably Lydia was one of the first converts to Christianity uh, through the Apostle Paul's first missionary journey. She supported him then from that moment on. In fact, the church at Philippi was launched using resources from Lydia because she chose to use her money to honor God and to fulfill his purposes in this world. So when Paul writes to Timothy and says, you know, the money is a root of all kinds of evil, he's not saying money is evil. But what was he saying? He was saying that the love of money, the craving for money, is a root of many kinds of evil. What he, what he was saying is that when 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 money and possessions become the goal or desire of our life, and it's what we're always striving for and chasing after, he says that's a dangerous place to be in. Everything needs to be in its right place, in its right order. And when we, when we let money rise to the top, man, haven't you seen this? Haven't you seen this probably in your own life? I have poor choices, bad decisions, all because of something I wanted, something I wanted to get that probably I couldn't afford. You see it affecting the lives of people around you. Maybe you saw it in your parents' lives growing up and money was always an issue. Or maybe you saw it, you see it in some of your friends that, you know, they got their first job and man, they just went out and spent like crazy. And now they're just hurting and there's all these, these extra weights and stresses and anxieties on their life because things are not in the right place. Timothy, uh, Paul says to Timothy, as a result of this love or crave for money and possessions, he says some have wandered from the true faith. Interesting, that word elsewhere in the Bible is translated seduced. It's, 
And it can happen, can't it? The lure of stuff. And he says, as a result, people have wandered from the true faith, like walked away from the thing that is eternal for something that is so temporal. And as a result, he says, have pierced themselves. Not they got pierced. No, they made the decisions, just like you and I. We make our decisions, right? And sometimes our decisions have consequences. And he says, some have, because of the love, the craving for more, because things have gotten out of, out of priority, they pierced themselves with many sorrows. It's caused more and more grief and problems and hardships because we love something in place of the one that we're supposed to love the most, and that's God. In fact, that's, if I were to put it bluntly and boldly, it's that we cannot love and crave money and love and crave God at the same time. That's a strong statement, isn't it? Here's the thing, it's not my statement. It's Jesus' statement. Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, 24 said, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and you will despise the other. He says, you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. It's impossible. One or the other is going to win out in our affections and in our lifestyle. And money can be such a barrier in our relationship with God. It can hold us back from loving and following Him and being generous towards others and using the resources that He's given us for His purposes. That's why sometimes we offer some special classes and coaching here at the chapel to help people walk through debt and finances and learning to handle money God's way. One couple that recently went through that process, not, not wealthy by any stretch of the imagination, but went through some of our classes, actually are now helping a part, as part of our finance team now. They said prior to understanding how God intended for us to use his money, that's key right there, there was a barrier in growing closer to God. They said we weren't giving, we believed that we could take better care of our finances than God could, and as, but as soon as we put our trust in God and began to give, we came up with a solid financial plan that put God and blessing others first. And look at what they write. Then we truly had a sense of calmness and peace because we surrendered it all to him. A calmness and peace. A, a, a freedom. And what that couple and many other couples have discovered, we want everyone to discover. That's why this is part of our Vision 2023. To help us all walk into, enter into that kind of contentment and peace and freedom, even as it pertains to our pocketbooks, to our finances. And so for the rest of our time together, I want to introduce three key wisdom principles found in the scriptures that can help us gain financial wisdom and walk into that kind of freedom. It'll be a long and sometimes arduous journey if we take it on, depending on where we're at in our finances, but it is a worthwhile endeavor. 
The first principle is that we are called to be good stewards of God's things. Good stewards of God's things. Psalm 24 verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. What does that include? Everything. What does that include? Everything. Like everything. The earth, the very earth (laughs) that we're seated on and is spinning right now in this grand universe It is the Lord's. He created it and everything in it. He goes on. The world and all its people belong to him. So what belongs to God? Everything. All of our stuff. Our cars. Our houses. Our bank accounts. uh, Our our possessions. And not only all of our stuff. All of us. (laughs) We are God's possessions. We are his. That ought to change how we handle our possessions and our stuff and our finances. When we view things as, as fully his, I remember um, a, a couple years ago, um, I met somebody uh, at the chapel. They had just bought a brand new yellow Corvette. It was, I mean, if I was going to ever own a sports car, it'd be yellow, canary yellow. It's just something about it. I mean, this thing was pristine. I saw them pull in. They walked in. They said, here, take it for a drive. I was like, (gasps) like, but you see their perspective of this brand new vehicle that, you know, a lot of people will just protect and care. Nobody touch it. And, you know, was that it was God's, not theirs. They viewed themselves as stewards. See, a steward is different than an owner. A steward in in biblical times, uh, they might have had a great role and responsibility and had access to much. But the steward knew that everything that they had access to was not their own. They were there to manage, take care of, invest the owner's resources in a way that would please the owner. So God's the owner. We've been called, though, to be stewards, and he's given us all kinds of stuff. I mean, if we're living in America already, even if we're at the bottom of the barrel in America, we have so much more than most people across this entire globe. And we're called to be stewards. How different would we approach things if, you know, When we bought a new house, the first prayer was, Lord, this is your house. And so whatever you want to do with it, we will do. What if every time that we went to make a purchase, when we went to swipe the card or log in our information on Amazon, if we just asked the question, God, this is your money. Is this the way that you want me to spend it? As stewards... That's the first biblical principle. It's a, it's a whole shift. And I know, man, I work hard, you work hard, and, you know, like, I work hard for my money, right? I mean, and, and, and yeah, we do. But who gave us the energy and the skills and gifts and abilities to even work? God did. And so at the end of the day, it's all his. And I tell you what, the other thing that does, when we view money and possessions in that way, there is a, there's a whole new freedom because we don't have to, be in control of it all because it's his there's a second principle 
And that is to make every attempt to pay off debt. This is a biblical principle. Proverbs 22, verse 7 says, Just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. Or in some versions of the Bible, it says, The borrower is slave to the lender. See, this is why this is part of our Growing Deeper series. If we want to grow deeper with Jesus so that he can free us to live fully for him, we won't be able to do that if we are a slave to something else. If we're chained down, and I don't know about you, but I felt that way before in my life, right? When debt or something, it's just like a chain. It's just like, oh, I'd, I'd really like to go do that. Oh, I'd really like to help that person. Oh. And it just locks you down. What would it be like to be free from debt? Holy smokes. It would be a game changer, wouldn't it? But there are people, there are people in this campus, there are people in this room right now that have experienced that. And they're living it now, and they're living in freedom. And it is possible, no matter what, if, whether, and listen, everybody's probably got some level of debt. There's, there's some debt, some people would say there's some good debt. You know, many of us, in order to buy a home, we had to incur debt. We have a home loan. The key is, how quickly can I pay it off so I'm not a slave to the bank? Or a vehicle, or you went to college, and I mean, I wouldn't be standing up here getting to do what I do if I didn't go to school and get an education so I could learn and grow in, in my journey with God and my understanding of the Bible, and I had to take out school loans, lots of school loans, to be able to do that. In the end, it was a good investment. But, but the longer that that debt is there, the longer we are enslaved to something. And that's why at the chapel, we want to help people break free from the power of debt. In just a couple of weeks, we'll offer a class called Rock Salad Finances. Uh, Lisa and I, we went through it about a year and a half ago when they offered it out at our Port Clinton campus. It's a phenomenal class. Get together with others. And trust me, let me tell you something right away, okay? Because some of you are, will not go to this because you feel like there's going to be judgment. Because truth be told, a lot of us, we've, we've really botched it up, blown it. When it, come to when it comes to finances. I'm telling you, there's no judgment here. And this class is going to be offered uh, on two consecutive Saturdays. It's a two-part class, um, 9 to 11 a.m., two Saturday mornings. I'm telling you, it will be worth it wherever you're at in the journey, whether you're way in a hole or whether you're you know, kind of at the end ready to approach retirement. You know, just want to make sure you're set up well. It's an incredible resource. And if you... If, if you want to sign up for the class, you can just text the word finance right now, or you can go to our events page and get signed up for it. Um, you'll, you'll meet others. We've got a great team of people that have lots of experience and wisdom. They're willing to walk alongside of people. Or if, if, if you're not comfortable meeting in a group, you can, uh, you can do the course online. It's available through our Right Now Media app. You just text the word wisdom to that number. It'll take you a direct link right to the Right Now a Bible study, Rock Solid Finances. So I want to just encourage us, challenge us. We want to be a resource as a church to help each other get free from debt. That's, that's the second biblical principle. And we don't want to just help you get free from debt. We, as a church, we want to model this. And we have been modeling this. In fact, um, a couple years ago when we got ready to launch the Port Clinton campus and we were dreaming about expansion and reaching out on the peninsula 
one of the things that we decided as a leadership team was that we were going to commit to not incurring any new debt in order to build that building. And now there's, there's hundreds of people going there every weekend. And that building is debt-free. We said, we're going to trust God. We, we had to make sacrifices. We didn't get to do some of the things that we would have really loved to do. But we said, we're going to trust God and we're going to honor this principle. And over the course of the last couple of years, we've been working hard. In fact, a team of people, not even, I mean, this wasn't motivated by our, our um, pastors or the elders. Some, some people came to us that love our church, that are part of our church, and they said, we need to do something to pay down the, the mortgage debt of the chapel. And that's part of our 2023 vision as well, that we as a church want to be debt-free, that we want to pay off the mortgage. You know, this building and the building in Sandusky, there's still a mortgage on that. Every month we pay $250,000 a month. That's our house payment. It's 10% of our annual budget. Now that's not, I mean, 10% of your annual, annual budget. Actually, that's not a huge amount but it's still $250,000 a year. Could you imagine? I can't imagine. Could you imagine what we could do with $250,000 a month in real ministry? In kids, stu kids ministry, student ministry? W how we could reach out in, a, in an even more impactful way uh, through our church, in our community, around the globe. That's why we want to pay down that debt so that it frees us as a church to do whatever God calls us to do. There will be nothing holding us back. You know, we talk about growing deeper and the, the roots that, are, that have to grow deeper for a tree to get stronger and then to expand further and it sometimes it feels and it can feel this way in our own lives and in our own pocketbooks like the root is trying to grow down deeper and yet it hits a rock there's something there that's keeping it from being able to grow deeper and to get better nourished and that's what debt does it's it's what it does in our individual lives it's what it does and and man we're grateful we're grateful for the buildings that god has given us and it, it's been a worthwhile endeavor Hundreds, thousands of people's lives are being impacted because of the ministry of our church. But think about what more we could do, and we believe we can do it. In fact, the, the, the team of volunteers that, that have been looking at all this said, you know, many people committed money to give towards the 2020 vision, and that has been completed. Some of those people have just continued to give extra money because they were used to it. They were in the pattern of doing it. And so that money's been going directly to the mortgage debt payoff. In fact, what, what our team tells us is that if everybody that committed to the 2020 vision just kept giving for the next three years like they had in 2023, we would be debt-free. All of our buildings, everything would be paid for. And we could invest, we could invest that $250,000 a year in real ministry. Not only that, if we pay off our mortgage that soon, we'll save $750,000 in interest. Would we rather see $750,000 go into ministry than go to a bank, to a lender? Yes. And people, people at the chapel have been so generous. I see it time and time and time again. 
And so we know that it's possible. We want to help you grow and find freedom from debt. And we, as we, we're asking you to consider helping us as a church break free from the power of debt as well. So how do we do that? We just, we're just asking people to pray and, and to consider. And if you're already given to the 2020 campaign still, just keep doing that and it'll, it'll continue to pay off the mortgage. It'll go straight to that and it'll get paid off as quickly as possible. And do your research. If you've got questions, we've created a whole website at the chapel.family uh, forward slash growing deeper. You can read about what's been accomplished through the 2020 vision. You can find all the messages about our 2023 vision. There's in, more FAQs there. There's information about the mortgage reduction and how to get involved in that. And we've made it easy so that whether you give online or in an envelope or uh, through the app, you can give to the general fund and then over and above that um, towards, the, towards the mortgage reduction. Listen, you guys, those of you that have been coming here very long, if you're new this weekend, sorry, we don't talk, we don't, we don't talk about this every week. And everybody here can attest to that. That's not, it's not who we are. And yet Jesus talked about it, and it is a reality, and it is a barrier. And we want to see God break that barrier. And we believe we can do that with your help. So find, gaining financial wisdom means, number one, recognizing that we're all called to be good stewards of God's things. Secondly, it's to, to learn to pay off debt as soon as possible and to make that a, a mission that we chase after. And the third and final financial wisdom principle is that we want to be known for generosity. Generosity, it's actually our fifth core value here at the chapel, to live generously. We impact our church, community, and our world. And why do we want to be generous? Because God's generous. God has been generous. What we celebrated around the, at communion is God's generosity. God so loved you and me that he gave. And what did he give? Give. He gave his best. He gave his son. God is a giving God. And when we become his followers, he wants us to reflect that generosity in our world. I love what Psalm 37 verse 21 says, The wicked borrow and never repay, but the godly are generous givers. Um, my son Carter, he's 14. The other day he was listening to a podcast and uh, people were sharing like miraculous stories and it led to this great conversation. He says, so dad, you know, like do you, do you or mom like have any like miracle stories, like something that it just can't be, com can't be explained scientifically? It led to an, an awesome storytelling time. When I graduated from um, Bible college, uh, my parents were not able to help with school loans. I worked the whole time that I was in college, but in order to pay for it, I, I had school debt, and so did Lisa. We had a lot of loans coming out of college. And yet we felt like God was calling me to go to seminary, and, and yet we knew seminary was going to be super expensive. And we made a decision, we're like, We'll go to seminary if God's really calling us there, but we, we cannot take out any more debt for your master's degree program. Well, fortunately, you know, we had just gotten married. 
still had some money, you know, from all of our family and friends. Uh, so the first semester of seminary, um, we were able to cover it. And we used some of our wedding money, and I paid the bill and jumped into classes and was loving it and learning and working. And Lisa was substitute teaching and trying to work and, pr and you know, trying to pay our bills. And we got through the first semester, and it was dynamite. We get, I was registering for the second semester, and I looked at what the cost was going to be, and I looked at our bank account. And there's just no way. There's no way. <laughs> and it messed with me. I was like, How, did we make a mistake? Is this not what we were supposed to do? Am I not supposed to be doing this? Are we not doing something right? We've been trying to work hard. We've been trying to be wise. We've been trying. And so what are we going to do? Then I, get a, then, I, then I get a message from the finance office. I'm like, oh, my. They said, we need you to come down. We need to talk with somebody. I'm thinking, oh, they're, I'm gonna, they're gonna have me meet up with a financial counselor. They're gonna put me on a financial plan to make payments to this plan of which I don't have the payments to complete their plan. I go down to the financial aid office and they pulled me in and they said, well, we just wanted to notify you. I said, what? They said, well, somebody paid your bill. They paid your whole bill for the semester. And there's extra money from books. I hadn't told anybody about this because I was too embarrassed. They said, who was it? They said, it's a, a Dan and Kay Paul. When I was in college, Lisa and I volunteered at this little bitty Baptist church. They had four kids in the youth group, and they said, we want somebody to come. We'll pay you a little bit of money every weekend to come over and teach Sunday school and do youth group on Wednesday nights for, th for these four teenagers. And so for two years, we loved on those kids, and more kids got added. And, and while I was volunteering and, and helping out with this, um, they assigned one of their deacons. His name was Dan Paw. And he's the person that I would report to, and he would, I'd meet up with him every week, and then he'd, you know, if we needed to borrow the church van or if we needed some money to be able to do, a, do an event, I'd have to talk to Dan about it. And, and Dan had a son that was in the youth group at that time. Here we had, I mean, we had left college, graduated, moved on, moved away from that church, was living in Michigan. And God put it on Dan and Kay's heart to help pay for my seminary. I will never forget that moment. It was a miracle. And, and just this week, I got to share that miracle story with my son. So their generosity, it didn't just affect me, but it affected my son. And you know who else it affects? All of you. I would not be here if somebody, out of the generosity of their hearts because of what God had done in their heart, would not have given to help help me be able to finish school. I don't know about you guys, but I want to be like Dan and Kay Pa. Don't you want to be free to just be able to do things like that? And some of you in here, you are those people. But many of us in here, we are not to that place. But we could be. If we took God's wisdom and principles to heart and made some hard calls and made some sacrifices and limited some things, 
but we could find freedom. And that's what we want to help you discover, and that's what we want to enter into as a church. So I'm inviting you to join us. I love what Andy Stanley says. He says, there is a way to take temporal things and use them to have an eternal impact. Money is temporary. Our possessions are temporary. The question is, what are we going to use them for? God, thank you that you love us, and thank you, thank you that you're a miracle-working God. And I don't know where everybody's at in this room. I bet some are struggling. They need a miracle. Lord, some of us are trapped by debt. We're enslaved. Lord, others have found freedom in you and are so generous. Thank you for each one. And help us move one step closer to you today, whatever it takes. In Jesus' name. Hey, just a reminder, our team will be by to dismiss you, but if you want to find out more about baptism and taking a next step in your faith journey in that way, Pastor Charles is going to be right over in the C2 room. Make sure you stop over there for just a brief informational meeting. And then for kids and middle school students, that class is going to happen during the 11.30 a.m. service for them. And uh, parents need to come with their kids for that particular class. Have a great rest of your day, guys. Enjoy the Super Bowl tonight. God bless you.